wizard, Harry. Book Club for The Order of the Phoenix with Michael DeMauro, Vijaya Shrestha, and I'm Sarah Tompkins. This week we discuss Chapter 4, Number 12, Grimald Place. We discuss isolation and its relation to this book. And the Quizich Cup rages on. We're back for our fourth week of Quizage. Alan probably just said it, but I feel like it bears repeating for the room that I'm half a point ahead of, of y'all. So I just want you to know that, that I'm winning. Wait, are Sarah and I tied? You are tied. Oh, okay. Wait, so what's what's the actual, what's the actual score right now? You both have two and I have 2.5. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 I'm ready. You sound ready. <laughs> Okay. Wait, so it's me and Sarah? Okay, yeah. Yep. What magical creatures were hidden in the curtains of the drawing room at 12 Grimald Place? Beep! Pajaya. Doxies. Yep. Ah! Ah! Good work. That's great. That's great work right there. Good job. That's 1.5 points for me! (laughs) (laughs) Nice try. What? Uh, oh boy good stuff oh good times if this is how it's gonna go from now on it's not gonna go well for sarah it's me and sarah facing off again again okay i'm ready all right what is the name of the house elf who lives at headquarters beep 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 beep. Uh, Ooh, michael (laughs) creature (laughs) yep true true story like basically for my entire existence until i don't know maybe the last time i reread this book i called him crutcher (laughs) Why? <laughs> because I refuse to call him Creature. Because that's a horrible name. Crutcher sounds better. I don't know. Well, Creature she's all about the homonyms. You know, that's I her know, thing. But, and I know he's he's mean, but Crutcher, Creature. Okay. Creature. Well, creature. it's okay. The first, when I was 11, I thought Hermione's name was pronounced was Hermione? Hermione. Yeah, because I'm not British, so. <laughs> my, I literally, I, I have this argue, I like, I feel like I've talked this before, but I have to argue with my cousin, mm-hmm. um, because I remember when we were younger, like, he's like, it's Hermione, and my dad was like, no, there was some old actress named Hermione Gingle, so there you go. <laughs> my father, who's an old, old person. Apparently. Fun fact. Fun fact, guys. Look up Hermione Gingle. That seems really close to Hermione Granger. Is that true still? Damn. Maybe he made it up. Uh, See y'all next week. Bye. 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 Chapter 4. Number 12, Grimald Place. So Harry has just read this slip of paper that says, The headquarters of the Order of the Phoenix may be found at number 12, Grimald Place, London. 
So Harry really wants to know what the order is. And he's like, oh, what the heck is this? And Moody is like, shut the heck up, kid. We're in public. Just be quiet. And so he's like looking out at these houses on this row, right? And he sees number 10 and number 13. And by the way, I have a question about this afterwards. So don't let me forget. Okay. He's looking at number 10 and number 13. He's like, what are you talking about? But then as he's wondering this, a house materializes between number 10 and number 13. Ooh. And it's number 12, Grimald place nobody seems any wiser to like these ha- this house just appearing between the other two houses like no human seemed to have been bothered by this mm. i really like the way they do it in the movie it, like, yeah it's super cool comes to life very well yes it is exactly how i imagined it i agree with that so anyway so they go inside after lupin taps the door you know with his wand and does some sort of special spell or something i don't know this house is like super old school it has gas lamps it's got the peeling wallpaper it's got cobwebs on chandeliers. It's got flipping doorknobs that look like snake heads. It's sick. Yeah, it's sick, but the house also looks like it belongs to some dark-ass wizard. Like, real dark. Because there's all sorts of creepy stuff. So while he's checking out the house, Mrs. Weasley appears. Mrs. Weasley! She tells Harry that he's looking very peaky and that he should probably eat, but that he'll have to wait for dinner because the meeting has just started. What meeting? We don't know. He tries to get in on whatever meeting this is by following Lupin, and Mrs. Weasley is like, nah, it's for members of the order only and he's kind of bummed about that but then she tells him that Ron and Hermione are upstairs which he's like super stoked about so she's like just be quiet or you'll wake everyone up but he has no idea what that means because everyone apparently is in the meeting or they're upstairs because of Ron and Hermione but he's quiet anyway so he goes upstairs to this room when he gets there you know Hermione runs hugs him and Mm -hmm. she's apologizing profusely she's like I'm so sorry about those dumb letters that didn't say anything but we weren't allowed to say anything Dumbledore told us not to say anything and Ron's like yeah mate we're real sorry about that. Hedwig pecked me almost to death because I couldn't tell you anything and I wanted to. And Harry was so super stoked to see his friends at first and had been thinking about them all for three or four weeks so far this summer. And all of a sudden, he goes like total Spider-Man 3 emo and he's like... (laughs) I would rather be alone. I hate everyone. He's so mean. He's so bratty. He starts screaming at them and he's like, you guys don't know shit. You've never fought off Dementors. I, you know, I'm really glad that Mundugness messed up because it allowed me to make the spell and because I did the oh, spell God. I had to be brought here. Otherwise I would have still been at Privet Drive and oh, I would have still been in the dark and you guys are the worst. And Hermione's like, aren't you worried about the ministry hearing? And he's like, no, I'm gonna rule, okay? Because I'm gonna be the best. <laughs> and she's like, oh. He's so like, oh, Dumbledore told you, if Dumbledore told you to go off and jump off a bridge, would you do that too? Ugh. Would you? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Hermione's like, yes, because it'd probably be for a good reason. And he's like, sheeple. <laughs> and so he's real mad. He's like a ball of hormones and rage. And he's like, Dumbledore doesn't even even trust me, even though I'm a better, better wizard than you two. I beat dragons. I beat off Dementors. I've saved you from Dementors. I've saved you both so many times. I'm way better than you. I'm like, Harry, take a chill pill. But literally, this is an all caps by the way like all caps this whole section so I'm not even being exaggerating on this he's like I've been stuck in suburbia for like three whole weeks and you've been here chilling in this beautiful haunted mansion and Hermione is super charitable about all this and she says that she would be furious too and I think Hermione I think you're letting this white boy walk all over you and he needs to just be put in his place because he's being a real brat about this anyway she tells him that they are you know after Harry 
sort of comes down a little bit. She says, she tells them that, you know, they're at, they're at Order of the Phoenix headquarters. Harry's like, oh, great. Another thing that I don't know. What is Order of the Phoenix headquarters? What is Order of the Phoenix? What she should have done is that you think you're better than me? You're not better than me. And then she should have cast a spell on him and proved yeah. that she's better than him because she could do that. She showed a lot of restraint. Actually, she showed that she was better by being the better wizard. That's yeah. her better witch. Anyway, so <laughs> Harry's all like, what's the order? And she tells him that it's a secret society that's formed by Dumbledore. Originally, it was formed back when Voldemort was first in power and it was to fight Voldemort and he's resurrected it just as Voldemort has been resurrected. And so they're all there. Tons of people, tons of wizards. They don't even know all of the wizards who are members, but there's tons of wizards who are members. They've been trying to get information. For a while, they were able to get a little bit of info because Fred and George invented these things called extendable ears, which were these ears mm-hmm. on the end of like essentially a weird fleshy rope that they could use to eavesdrop in on the meetings. It's gross. But then Mrs. Weasley found out about it and she went cray. And she's like, nah. And so she destroyed those. And even though, you know, Ron and Hermione haven't been in the meetings, they've been working to decontaminate the house, whatever that means. But they've been working all summer, all summer, all four weeks or whatever to do that. At that moment, Fred and George and Ginny are stopped by. So all of the Weasleys are there as it as it turns out. Harry finds out that not only was he kept at Privet Drive, but Snape gets to chill in this sweet, sweet, gross cobwebby house, <laughs> and he does not. <laughs> So jealous. Hermione says, oh, he's on our side now. And Ron accurately Mm. points out that he's still a git, which I agree with Ron. And that doesn't really change. (laughs) Anyway, so they also find out or well, Harry finds out that Bill Weasley is now back in the country. He's out of Egypt. So Bill is taking a desk job and he's been giving Fleur Delacour. Do you remember her at all? From the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. So he's been giving her private lessons. I uh, bet not, he is. Uh, it's not exactly, especially since she was like a pretty good witch. It's not really uh, clear what the private lessons are in, but uh, but that's saucy. I bet it's I bet it's a lesson in tongue wrestling. It's the international language of love. <laughs> in, 101. She's really hoping to get to 102 soon. <laughs> that's when you start doing, you know, just. Oh my god! I almost made an. I almost made an oral. I almost made an oral examination joke. <laughs> completely. Com- Completely unironically. But then you didn't, so it's fine. So don't worry, guys. I kept it. I kept it real G there. Um, anyway. Oh, I hear a siren. Um, yeah, somebody's coming to arrest me because that joke was too fresh. Raunchy. Um, so anyway... So we also find out that Charlie, while he is still in Romania, is also a member of the Order. So he's doing his due diligence. So all the Weasleys are there. It's so loud. Are you okay? Cornelius will want to take immediate action. So all the Weasleys seem to be there, except for Percy. Mm. And so so Harry's like, yeah, what's up with Percy? And Ron tells Harry not to mention Percy to Mrs. Weasley, because Percy and Mr. Weasley had a Big ol' fight, because Percy is all up in the ministry's ass drinking his Kool-Aid. So after the whole Crouch thing, Percy got in a little bit of trouble because he really probably should have known that Crouch was a little crazy. But he's been offered a position in Fudge's cabinet. That sounds weird and either... Interesting. Sounds like a Candyland thing. In the Fudge's cabinet. But he has in um, the minister's cabinet. And he told his father, thinking that his father was going to be all super stoked about it. But Mr. Weasley was not, because Fudge is so... 
super anti-Dumbledore these days. And he essentially is telling everyone who is a Dumbledore supporter that they can go straight to heck. And telling them, you know, like, clear out your desks. You're not welcome here anymore. Which seems very bad for a policy thing. But at the same time, I guess that, you know, maybe there are... Have we talked about, are there, like, parties in the ministry? Is Fudge the equivalent of, like, their Republican or something? Or do they have Whigs? Do they have Tories? Do they have the Conservative Party? Do they have the Labor Party? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I think maybe we've talked about how we don't know how the minister is chosen. We haven't really dived dove deeply into it so maybe it could be a future segment yeah well so anyway so apparently the minister can be can tell people that if they don't like Dumbledore they can leave so that seems not great so apparently Percy is the new he who must not be named if you know what I mean hmm Hermione also tells Harry that the Daily Prophet has been running a real big smear campaign against him. They are painting this picture of him being a heinous jerk, which at this point, let's be real, is not that far off. Okay, Harry, take <laughs> take it down like five notches. Otherwise, the Daily Prophet's going to have some real to write about. But they've been saying that he's some crazy narcissistic liar who wants all this attention and that he made up the fact that Voldemort is back. And Harry's not cool about that. And he shouldn't be because... That's not great. So anyway, so they're all getting ready for dinner in Grimmauld Place. And, you know, for some reason, Ron, I think, mentions Creature. Harry asks who Creature is. He finds out that it's a house elf who lives in this house. Ron describes him as a nutter. Hermione, of course, vehemently disagrees and starts talking, starts spewing her spew nonsense. But, you know, we don't get beyond... Spew, that's spew. We don't get much beyond that because Mrs. Weasley is trying to get them down for dinner and there's this loud crash. And we, we hear Mrs. Weasley yell at Tonks and apparently Tonks has knocked over the umbrella stand again because it's just well it's there and it's not very sound i bet that it's one of those like ikea things where you think it's gonna be good because it's eight dollars and you're like this is right my price range but really it's just gonna fall over all the time and it's gonna wake up the screaming portraits in your house which is what happens in this case and there's this lady who is just wailing and screaming and pigeon a fit and harry goes downstairs past the screaming portrait and who does he run into? None other than his <gasps> godfather. Voldemort. Oh. Yes! Voldemort's his godfather! Dun, dun, Damn! Da. What? Huge twist. What uh, a no. twist. Sirius Black. Sirius Black oh. is there. Right? And oh, his buddy. Yeah, it's really cool. But then, of course, Sirius has to, like, be the Han Solo of the situation. And he's all cool. And he, like, puts his sunglasses down. He doesn't have sunglasses <laughs> on, but I feel like tonally he does. And he's like, hello, Harry. I see you've met my mother. <laughs> nice. That was a good line, though. It's a really good line. I mean, he credit where credit is due. So that's the end of that chapter. Uh, some new things that we learned about. Oh, a were cliffhanger. A cliffhanger with that baller line. We learned about extendable ears, which allow you to eavesdrop, and is created by Fred and George, who keep creating these wonderful things. What are they going to do with all these wonderful Patent things? Pending. Patent pending. We learn about the Order of the Phoenix, which is a secret society that is was founded by Dumbledore to fight against comprises of witches and wizards and was was com- 
as far as we know, I don't think there's any muggles. There might be. Who knows? To fight squibs. against Voldemort during his... Yeah, there are squibs. To fight against Voldemort. This was originally during his first Reign of Terror and now is in Reign of Terror Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> and we learn about number 12, Grimald Place, which is a magical-seeming house. We don't know much about it other than it seems to belong to a dark wizard. And it's pretty mm. creepy and could use some cleaning up. We learn about Creature, who is a house elf who I think will delve into probably a little bit more more maybe in a separate segment in the future because there's a little bit about him sure i don't know he books he becomes a little bit more of a character spoiler alert as we go on and i think that that's all of the new stuff i mean there's sort of a lot of new stuff because we're in a completely new place hearing about completely new things you know yeah and, and yeah so that's that's the stuff the new stuff we talked about and we're gonna talk i think a little bit about secret societies in general in our segment but it did have two two burning questions really the first is is what are Hermione's parents? What are, what are Hermione's parents think about all of this? <laughs> like she keeps going. Like, she doesn't spend any time at home. She's at school all the time because she presumably <laughs> like she's been staying there during the winter. And then she goes to some creepy ass house in the summer, and she's never home. And also, like, bye, also, why is why are they letting a thirteen year old make these decisions? I mean, obviously she's her own young woman, but at the same time she's thirteen. She's going to this creepy house, and and she's not safe, and she's a theoretically a smart witch wouldn't she be safer at home what's happening wouldn't wouldn't mrs weasley not want her there wouldn't mrs weasley and dumbledore dumbledore for all of his keep harry at this horrible abusive household wouldn't he like hermione could just chill with her nice dentist parents well you know i mean there is the one part that maybe because she is so close to harry they think that she would be better protected at a witch or wizard house surrounded by witches and wizards versus her dental dentist parents Parents because I'm imagining that they would have to put on a lot of charms and spells to protect her versus she could just stay at a protected house. And I guess her parents probably miss her or maybe they're just like, well, this is great for us. We're going to live our second single carefree life. My Our daughter is a witch and she just wants to do what she wants to do because they probably know that she's smart and can make makes the right decisions. I guess. I think she's just telling them that she's studying. She's like, oh, I gotta study. It's wizard stuff which stuff you wizard, wouldn't, you wouldn't you understand wouldn't don't worry it's about like it it's like when dudes ask women about stuff and it's like female stuff you don't want to know about it you don't want to know i how why why don't you feel good uh you know women stuff. all right that's fine ah. anyway yeah yeah it is weird that she spends no time with her parents but i'm sure it's probably for the best because i can see voldemort trying to like get to her and trying to like torture her or whatever but maybe oh, her true. parents are just you know spending that dentist money and going on vacations because she, they don't have to you know stay at home with her daughter i guess living that, just living seems... that life living that jet set life you know that dentist jet set life yeah mm-hmm. you living had a question about 12 place, yes but, that's my yeah. second question i felt like i really needed to lay into this one how do how Okay. work in the UK. <laughs> okay, so in the US, I thought this is how they worked in the UK too. You go, one side of the street is two, four, six, eight, <laughs> ten. The other side is one, three, five, seven. It's odds and evens on opposite side of the street. Why the hell wouldn't it be? Okay, theoretically, if this were correct, it'd be number 10 and then it would go straight to number 14 and he'd be like, that's weird. Where's number 12? And then there would be 12. Not number 10 and number 13 and then there, or number in 11 and 13 or whatever and then there's 12. Like, what is he doing? Although, 
in that in their defense, I guess we do have like condo buildings here, like near where I live, where the condo building is kind of itself. There's like across the street. It's like kind of an alley, so there's no across the street. So it's just like 109, 110, 101, 111, 111, 112. Maybe it's something like that where it doesn't really have across the street. Maybe across the street is a highway. Yeah, but I still think they do odds versus even so you know what side of, like it's so you know what side of the road you're supposed to be on. Well, like direction. Like said, it's it's supposed to be an intuitive thing for pedestrians. So maybe are you say, there's, you're maybe there's not a real street. <laughs> You're saying the 12 Grimald place is a condo? Yeah, I think, like, I mean, maybe a townhouse, because that's what they show in the movie, because it's, it's a townhouse, and it kind of, like, expands out. I, I need somebody in the UK, or London specifically, to help me on this one, because this is the least believable thing in this whole book. I was I was reading that, <laughs> I was reading sad. that, and I was like... What is happening? I'm going to go to these condos by my townhouses by my house, too, and I will take a picture of that. And it's right in an alley. There's nothing across the street from it except, like, a restaurant. But the restaurant faces another street. Okay. So it has individual numbers instead of even and odd. Like, normal, I understand what you're saying because that's how regular streets are numbered. Right. Unless, unless... There's always an anomaly, you know? Unless that is the odd side of the street and it's totally normal so that people don't know. And actually, oh my God, this just occurred to me. Everywhere is actually not odds and evens. It's just that every other every other house in every other place in the world is invisible. That's the only other explanation. <laughs> They're all protected. And so also... That's how wizards live among us. Oh is that my. like... It's you like... Know? It's like 2902, I thought that it was across the street, but there actually is one across the street, and then there's one next to me. It's like the Shadow Bureau or whatever. The Shadow, uh, what is it? The Shadow Cabinet. That's what it is. That's what the UK has. Shadow Cabinet. And why does this uh, hipster witch or dark wizard that owns this house that they're living in or staying in, why do they have to be so different whereas, like, most witches and wizards live in isolated areas or, you know, in, like, mainly witch or magical hamlets? They have to live in a smack dab of London, own a house that's numbered weirdly and, you know. That's location, location, location. That's how you know you're made of money, man. You know, you're like, I could live in this place. But I could also live walking distance from the nearest KFC. Oh. I, 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 I was trying to think of a chain that's in the UK, and for some reason that's yeah. the first one that came to my brain. They don't have Chick-fil-A? I actually had never, this is complete aside, I had never seen a Chick-fil-A until I moved south of the Mason-Dixon. But they You're do welcome. Have K- Delicious. They do have KFC in the UK. That is all I know. So I, you want to live within walking had... distance to a Marks and Spencer. There you go. You that's never had UK KFC? Line. Are you never at Chick-fil-A, Michael? I've never had Chick-fil-A, and I'm morally opposed to it. <laughs> I haven't had it either. Because they're bad. I haven't, I haven't had it. Look, Even though I live around the corner from one, that's fine. They're very delicious, and you should eat some when you're in Columbus. I no. think they will have. They have I, some. I live equidistant from a Popeyes and a Chick Fil A, so I just I just do the Popeyes. It's fine. It's great. <laughs> anyway, all of that to say, I will sell my soul for Chick Fil A. Tell us about. Oh, I say, tell us about house numbers in the UK, please. Because and I whether or not know. you have Chick Fil A's. Yes, that that too. Because Google can't tell me that one. Yeah. All right. Do you guys have any questions? No. Thank you for your recap, Sarah. Yeah, that was great. Thanks, guys. Let's go to the segment. <laughs> guys let's talk about isolation i want to be alone so you're gonna have to do a segment by yourselves oh darn yeah so one of the themes for book five is isolation and you know 
I'll read this little blurb that I definitely did not find on the find on the internet, and I made it up myself. And we can discuss it further. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So, there are like there are different types of isolation that Harry and other people, I guess, suffer. I don't know experience. So Harry definitely suffer experiences social isolation. One because so many people don't believe in him about like the Voldemort coming back and stuff. There's physical isolation in the beginning of the book where Harry's like by himself and kind of part of that is also emotional isolation because he wants to talk to people but he is going through his teen angst thing where he's like nobody understands me and I'm all alone and my suffering and I'm the best at everything and so yeah so let's talk about all that the last isolation theme that goes through this book is the whole prophecy thing where you know he is destined by the choosing of Voldemort to kill Voldemort or be killed and that's kind of isolating also because he's the only person going through that. Is he, though? <laughs> is there someone else it could be? No, Sarah. It's only him. What if it was Neville? Okay. Oh. Well, that's fine. Yeah. What if it was somebody like, no, no. just about, pulling a name out of a hat? What about Draco? Uh, about Drake? Yeah, about, yeah Drake yeah. the Rapper. Uh, but no, I think I think it's interesting because I think that there is actual, there is act, there are actual cases of isolation. Like you're saying, like he is isolated in many ways for real, both mentally and physically. But I feel like it's such a good theme to run through a book about like a moody 13 year old because (laughs) I sure felt like I was the only person going through every single emotion that I went Mm -hmm. through when I was that age. And I also was Spider-Man 3 about it. And it was not it was not fun. And so I think that that is I, I think that that's a good theme to have in that it's very real and in some ways it's kind of validating right though like I was reading this when I was that age and I was reading this when I was like 14 or 15 or whatever <laughs> and you're like oh I don't remember I understand how you feel Harry I was actually I was actually really mad at Harry I thought he was being a you dick want, but at the yeah. same time like you, you do have that feeling that you're the only person who experiences those things but then to have someone you're like yeah I know what you're talking about I, yeah. don't know, I think that that's kind of a, a cool thread and it's not just Harry feeling Feeling that way, like mm. Sirius is kind of going through the social, emotional, and physical isolation. So that kind of shows that it's like you can kind of chalk Harry's thing up to being like teen angst thing, but like seeing an adult like Sirius also going through that, and to a certain extent Lupin because mm. of his werewolf werewolfness going through that. I thought it was a very yeah. Interesting. I, Sirius is very just tortured throughout the whole book. I mean, it drives yeah. him nuts. He does stupid things over and over again because he just wants to get some fresh air essentially so yeah and even like you could even say uh you know creature yeah. basically went mad because he had to spend all those years alone in the house with just the the portrait yeah. giving him orders oh gosh yeah right and also and also like a, it having sort of a sole purpose in life and then having that sole purpose removed yeah. i mean oh you know that's yeah that's harsh that's kind of yeah that's like that's completely that's not even just isolated that's disillusioning you know and it's interesting to see how different people different characters in this book handle isolation like obviously Harry and Sirius and Creature don't handle isolation very well in the different ways they experience it but Luna also experiences social not maybe not emotional but so kind of 
social isolation, but she handles it completely differently. Like, she's still like, yeah, everyone's still my friend, instead of being like, I hate everyone, everybody's picking on me. I think I think she does experience actual, like, like emotional isolation. Well, I mean, if you think about her interaction with the Thestrals, and... Oh, yeah, yeah. And she and she kind of, I think she kind of feels like, I mean, when, when, when Harry's like, oh, when he realizes that he can see these beasts, he's stunned by it, and she's not stunned that he's stunned, but at the same time, I think she kind of assumed that, you know, she might be the only person who can see them, but she knows that that's normal, or, well, not normal, but that's, that's, there's a reason for that, but she doesn't, her, her interpretation of isolation isn't, or or being alone isn't as negative as Mm -hmm. Harry's, it's more just acceptance and saying, oh yeah, well, that's how it is, so this is who I'm going to be in relation to that, and it's a very, it's a much more adult view of yeah. that than, than Harry has. And I think Harry gets there eventually. I'm not, but. I'm not sure if it's because you would think that Harry would have a better way of handling isolation because he was so isolated growing up for like 11 years with the Dursleys. Right. But maybe it's because he's had four years where he was like so immersed every way into the wizarding world and now it's a complete 180 in the fifth book that he's just like doesn't know how to handle it. Plus hormones. <laughs> right. But I mean, there's probably a sense of you've been giving me this. Yeah. That's you've been I mean. nurturing me. Yeah. Right. 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 And I agree with you. I think that's exactly what it is. It's like you've been giving me this nurturing. You've been giving me this, this inclusiveness. And then you, you can't just take that away yeah. from me. It's like feeding me a piece of chocolate cake every day for four years. And then all of a sudden just taking it away. Yeah. You're like, well, you can't do that. That's, that's real asshole-ish. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, and this and the same thing with and Sirius. And don't tell me diabetes. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, I mean. And the same thing with Sirius because he's been in Azkaban so long and now he has, he got like a taste, like a slight taste of freedom and now he's like mm-hmm. bound up in, not bound up, but locked up into this house and he can't do everything he wants to and now I'm all sad. I'm feeling it is isolated. Sad. No, I think, and I think, and it's interesting too because I was thinking as I was reading about Harry yelling at Ron and Hermione and Hermione's saying that she would be furious too. Obviously, Hermione's home life is better than Harry's. And she's not the subject of, you know, lots of scrutiny in, in the media per se. Although she has been. But I think that, you know, I, I try and think about like what she's, she and Ron even are both going through individually because they're the same age as Harry. They're feeling like they're not allowed to tell their, I mean, they're also being kept in the dark. And not only are they being kept in the dark, but they're, th- their friend feels like they're, he's keeping something from them. So that's probably really isolating in and of itself because you feel like you can't connect with a friend in a way that you used to. And also now you're being pushed aside by that friend as the enemy. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's really tough. And so when Hermione says that she understands that Harry would be furious. Yeah. I mean, that's more charitable than I would be. I'd be like, F you, up yours, see you <laughs> later, and walk away. <laughs> F you. I would. Yeah. I would. I mean, yeah. you know. But it really, because like at that point, I'm like, I mean, obviously, even if I like was best friends with Harry and loved him to death, I'd be like, don't talk to me that way. I deserve better than that, you jerk. I mean, if I had, if I was myself now as, as 30-year-old Sarah as opposed to 15-year-old Sarah, yeah. probably just cry or be mad. I don't know. Yeah. And it'll be interesting because I think uh, Harry still battles with like isolation issues and the theme continues outside of this book. It continues in book six and seven because in some ways, in some ways, in yeah, some ways, it's only him going through and experiencing some of the things he experiences as much as he wants to and does share with his friends. He can't really share all the burden and stuff that he carries. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting on how he continues to mature and decides to, you know, react to the feeling of isolation that he has. And we'll also continue to see throughout this book how 
Sirius deals well or not with, and Lupin, later on in the books, um, with the theme of isolation. Some well and some not. And what that means, what that means for his, even his relation, this sounds weird, but his relationship to Voldemort yeah. and what that's, you know, like how he's going to fight him or not. Not. Well, that was good. Anything else you all want to talk about about isolation? I feel isolated right now because you all are not here with me. Physically. <laughs> Oh, we're there with you mentally, Virtually. though. But I'm not emotionally or socially isolated because I'm still talking to you. And you all are in my heart. Oh, that's really think... sweet. You, you don't Psych. know anything. You've never fought off a Dementor, and I have, <laughs> Vajaya. Are you saying my I was going to say, do you think a thing, tweet at us, what do you think is worse oh. when Dolores Umbridge made Harry slice his hand apart over and over again or when he isolated him and made him miss all the Quidditch? and all the other oh, stuff man. that you wanted to do. Oh, yeah. Stupid is, God, she's so Richard. stupid. Yeah. I wish I could isolate Tweet her. Tweet us. Isolate what? her on, a, on an ice cap in Antarctica. <laughs> Tweet at us and tell us your thoughts about the theme of isolation in this book. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very, I feel like this is a very, it's a very Russian approach to a book to, to base it on isolation. Yeah. Is this the dos, is this the Dostoevsky of, of, of the series? Yes, it is. Sure. sure. Whatever you sure. said. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Don't leave me. Join us for You're a Wizard, Harry. Special thanks to Alan Matthews, our editor, Jesse Carlton, who provided our artwork, and Sean Fagan, who provided our music. Hi, friends. Want to help us out? Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Or if you want to get in touch, email us at potterpod at geeklyinc.com. Want to talk to us on Twitter? Find us at potterpod. Or find me at her lady Tompkins. Michael is Thrifty Nerd. And Bajaya is Ethnic Ninja. So it's uh Michael. So Sarah and me. Yes. She got the lower point. <laughs> I somehow don't end up with one point out of the one point five. And guess around. I know where you live, Megan. You do. Well, don't worry. I wrote ninety-two questions. So. Jesus. <laughs> Damn. Is this round or uh-huh. for the yeah. whole thing? Well, because last time, remember, we had to do a bunch of tiebreakers, and it freaked me out because I ran almost out of them. So I wrote like twenty extra questions. Jesus. I told you to write thirty-eight. I know. Well, I wrote seventy-six originally. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Okay, just let me have this. I love it. I was having okay. too much fun. Rage is on. He's a boner. Hey. Wow. Was that good enough? Yes, good. <laughs> it was wonderful. Boner joke aside. <laughs> Jaya, you're out of control. Just like my boner. Okay. <laughs> wow. Internet high <laughs> Okay. It's a silly night. Okay. Oh, no. That's the most intellectual conversation we've had about this book. Everything else has been about dicks and balls. <laughs> and boners. <laughs> boners. And boners. All right. I'm... Is that a boner you got? Or, is it, or are you just happy to see me? Oh, wait. That's the wrong thing. Of the uh, that's supposed to be it. That's like, supposed to be a different thing. I was like, different and. Way. Or, and, and, or.